Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com Spotify. TommyJohn.com Spotify. See site for details. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Angolan and Bantu traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Kuzole sat at the edge of the village, cooking a meal on the campfire outside her modest home. The crackling flames sent shadows dancing across the village and lit her face with its warming light. She was a beautiful woman with dark, long hair and warm brown skin. She glowed with an ethereal beauty as she stoked the crackling campfire, but her expression was worried as she looked up into the surrounding darkness. Something about the night didn't feel right. As Kuzole got up, a sound from the brush outside her camp stopped her. Hello? Who's there? (gasps) It was then that out from the brush, a man appeared, Long hair fell in locks over his strong shoulders. He smiled at Kuzole. His countenance oozed charm, and yet Kuzole was chilled. Who are you? But instead of answering, the man slowly turned. With his two hands, he parted his hair to reveal a horrifying sight. Sprouting from the back of the man's skull was the leering, toothy face of a hyena. Kuzole stood frozen, unable to move. Then, more and more glowing orbs appeared in the darkness behind the creature, a multitude of leering eyes. She realized with a start the brush was filled with these demons. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're telling the story of Sudika Mbambi and his twin, Kabundungulu. 
the brothers are known in Angolan culture as the Thunder Gods, with Sudika Mbambi being the thunder from the east and his brother Kabundungulu the echo of thunder that answers from the west. Little is known about the first inhabitants of Angola, the modern country that lies on Africa's southwestern coast. Today, its people are a mix of descendants from two major groups, Bantu-speaking migrants who arrived as early as 1000 CE and Portuguese conquerors who colonized the territory in the 1500s. Due to the poor record-keeping of the Portuguese conquerors, much of the once rich oral history of Angola's earliest people has been lost to time. What remains is a complex tradition of myths that has gradually evolved to match the shifting ethno-linguistic makeup of the country. Tales that once began with the ancient people of Angola have since been adopted by its immigrants and conquerors, changing a bit with each retelling. This blending of Bantu and Portuguese traditions has resulted in a rich mythology that reflects aspects of both cultures. As a result, no one knows for sure how old Angola's myths really are. This lost beginning reflects a unique aspect of the mythology itself. Many Bantu tribes do not have a creation myth. They believe that the earth and the beasts who dwell on it were always here, existing long before everything else. Rather than using their myths to explain creation or their physical world like many other cultures, their stories seem to have been designed to encourage introspection into their own lives. The Bantu believe in a supreme god, an all-powerful being that exists separately from their pantheon of lesser deities and spirits. Two of these lesser deities are Lord Sun and Lady Moon, whose daughter wed the human hero, Kimanaze. One of the best-known stories in Angolan culture concerns their children, the thunder gods Sudika Mbambi and Kabundungulu. Nzua Dia Kemenaze walked along a dirt road with a spring in his step. The journey to Luanda had been long and arduous, but he was finally close to his own village and couldn't wait to get back. He was still angry at his father for sending him on the journey in the first place, especially so soon after his wedding. Convincing Lord Sun and Lady Moon that he was worthy of marrying their daughter had not been easy. Convincing the gods of anything was difficult, but he would soon see his bride and his father once again. When I get back, I'll give father a piece of my mind for sending me to Luanda. Who does he think he is, making his newly married son abandon his bride for family business? Kimanaze picked up his pace. He quickly rounded a bend in the road, ready for the view of the village that he knew would greet him. Instead, the sight stopped him in his tracks. No, it cannot be. The village he had called his home was in shambles. Not a structure remained. Kimanaze trembled in shock as he walked through the ruins. Hello? Anyone? Father? Kimanaze bent down at the side of his father, who lay behind a demolished house. 
His robes were soaked in blood. He was very still. Father, can you hear me? But Kemenaze's father remained motionless. No. Kemenaze looked up at the sound. His eyes widened. In the field beyond his ruined home, a woman sat. Her back was to Kemenaze. Her matted hair and torn clothing were all that were visible, but even from far away, he could see her shoulders shaking. Kemenaze ran towards the woman. As he grew near, her sobbing grew louder. Hello? Did you see what happened? The woman slowly stood, then turned to face him. <gasps> Hello, my love. It was his wife, Kuzole, the daughter of Lord Sun and Lady Moon. But this was not the same wife he had left when he set out for Luanda. Her face had been scratched beyond recognition, her cheeks raked with razor-sharp claws. Her eyes were wild as she stared at her husband in terror before collapsing in his arms. <laughs> My love, what, what happened here? The Makishi came. They showed no mercy, left no survivors, except me. Kimanaze held his wife tight, looking out in fear at the desolate remains of his village. He had heard tales of the Makishi, monsters with two faces, said to lure women away from their homes before revealing the hideous muzzle and fangs beneath their hair. But he had never heard of the Makishi traveling so far outside the land of demons. What are we to do? After spending the night in a makeshift shelter, Kimanaze and Kuzole woke up early to bury the dead with heavy hearts. Days passed, the couple scavenged for food, but it soon grew scarce. <sighs> My love, there's no food left. I've checked the ruins over and over. I will have to hunt. You must hurry. I... What is it? I'm pregnant. I'm going to be a father? This is wonderful. This is... My love, what's wrong? Why aren't you thrilled? Because I am afraid. How can we bring children into a world that even we cannot survive? Do not fear, my love. This child will be a light amid the darkness. We'll see. The couple struggled to feed themselves, scavenging what little food they could... Soon enough, Kuzole was heavy with child. Her cries filled the air. The baby was coming. Shh, my love. Here, take some water. Let me rub your belly, my love. Here. But as Kimanaze knelt by his wife's side, he heard what sounded like a muffled voice coming from somewhere nearby. Mother, my sword. Here it comes. Mother, my knife. Here it comes. What is that? 
Who is speaking? I, I don't... Mother! My kalimbe! Here it comes! Kimanaze looked at his wife's stomach with wide eyes. The voice was coming from inside her belly. Mother! Steady yourself, for I am coming! Now! Kimanaze watched in awe as his wife pushed the baby from her body. But it wasn't just any baby. Kimanaze's newborn son held a sword in one hand and a knife in the other. In the crook of his arm, he held a plant. Like the newborn who carried it, the plant was small and new. It had tiny green leaves that sprouted from a chunk of earth. The newborn astonishingly jumped onto its chubby little legs and smiled at his parents and spoke. Mother, father, I am Sudika Mbambi. On the ground, I set my staff. In the sky, I set an antelope. Why do you look at me like that? Sudika Mbambi's shocked parents struggled to find their voice. You were only just born. How is it you stand and speak like a grown man? Sudika Mbambi just smiled, his full set of teeth glinting in the firelight. Do not wonder. You will see all the miraculous things I can do. Uh, my son, I... Mm -hmm. What is it, my love? Mother, my sword, here it comes. Mother... My knife! Here it comes! Mother! My kilimbe! Here it comes! The new voice came once again from inside the wife of Kimanaze's belly. They looked at each other in shock. Could it be another child? Mother, sit well. I am coming! Coming up, the twins burst from the womb and into the world, ready to avenge the monsters that destroyed their parents' home. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now, back to the story. 
Kim Anaze had just watched as his wife gave birth to their wonder child son, who called himself Sudika Mbambi. But the strangeness of his first son's birth was soon overshadowed by Kimanaze's realization that it was not over. Another child was coming. <laughs> Twins. Kabundungulu, their second son, burst forth from his mother. Like his brother, he looked like a newborn, but he immediately jumped up on his feet and waddled over to his older brother for a hug. The twins turned to smile at their shocked parents, happily basking in the new world they had entered. Kimanaze clutched his wife's hand, unsure what to say or do. His sons looked like newborns, but it was clear they were advanced beyond their years. Sudika Mbambi handed his mother the mysterious plant he was born with. Mother, take this. Plant it in the field nearby. The mystical plant was a kalembe, or a life tree, said to be a reflection of both an individual's vitality and all of reality. The heavens were represented in its leaves, the earth in its trunk, and the underworld in its roots. The growth and death of the plant was said to mirror the life of the person it was born with. Kuzole held the plant in her hands, She'd expected to have a newborn baby to cradle and feed, but instead she had two sons that did not seem to need her at all. Kimanaze gazed at his wife. Just as perplexed as she was, trying to take charge, he turned to his sons only to see they were already walking out towards the forest. Where are you going? We must get to work. Get to work? <laughs> we must rebuild you a home. That's it, right, brother? The new parents stood helplessly, watching as the two infants got to work. Kabundungulu sweated fiercely as he used his brother's knife to fell bamboo poles. But Sudika Mbambi held up a hand and then hit a single pole with his sword. As soon as the first pole hit the ground, the remaining bamboo stalks in the immediate area toppled over on their own accord, as if felled by imaginary swords. The twins' parents gaped at this magic. Sudika Mbambi moved on to the tall grass in the field beside the clearing. Kabundungulu followed his brother like a puppy, watching his every move. Once again, one whack was all it took. Blade by blade, the rest of the grass in the field severed and fell by itself. The brothers worked together to bind the grass and the poles and then heaved them over to the clearing where their parents stood. As they drew near, their parents gasped. Their children had left the clearing as miraculous newborn babies, but they were now adolescent young boys. They'd grown as they worked before their very eyes. Sudika Mbambi studied the bound poles. He nodded to his brother, and the two began moving the poles into place, assembling the base of the home. Their parents still watched on, overwhelmed and curious, and then, perplexed, as the twins stopped and stood back, they'd only completed the base of the home. They've just built the base. 
What about the rest of the home? I don't know, my love. Maybe... <gasps> the rest of the home assembled itself before their very eyes. Cords tied themselves, the thatched grass roof bent over its bamboo pole frame, and before long... It's our home. Sudika Mbambi turned to his family, satisfied at their gratitude-filled faces. Now, enter your home. Their parents walked inside, amazed at what their young children had done. Kuzole put her hand on the sturdy wall, smiling at the thatched roof. But when she turned to thank her children, she noticed that they had not yet come inside. It's beautiful. But my sons, why do you not follow us inside? You must be hungry from working. I'll fix you something. Yes, come boys. I'll build a fire and we can sit around it for the first time as a family. <sighs> I am sorry, mother and father, but I cannot rest yet. Not while the Makishi are still out there. As long as their attack goes unpunished, our new home will not be safe. Sudika Mbambi's parents stared at him in shocked silence. Even Kabundungulu looked thrown. His face turned fearful as he looked between his parents and his older brother. But you're just a child. Please, Kimanaze, tell him. Surely you can see that I am no ordinary child. There is no need to fear. When I return, you will hear about all the miraculous things that I have done. Kabundungulu watched his parents and older brother, an expression of uncertainty and worry on his face. They were born of the same womb, but where Sudika Mbambi was certain, Kabundungulu was nervous. He wasn't ready to leave the safety of his home and felt ashamed. Until Sudika Mbambi stepped forward and laid a gentle hand on his shoulder. Brother, you must stay. Watch over our parents for me. Relief filled Kabundungulu as he looked up at his older brother. He nodded in agreement. He would look after the family until Sudika Mbambi returned. Then Sudika Mbambi lowered his voice so that their parents could not hear. And brother, watch my Kilimbe plant. If it withers and dies, you'll know that I too have perished. The family said their goodbyes, and Sudika Mbambi walked down the path that led across the field and down to the road. He didn't look back. But his family were unable to tear their eyes away from this young, yet strong and confident figure. He seemed older than the young boy he was moments ago. He'd grown taller, his shoulders more broad, his cheekbones more pronounced. He was now a young man, leaving home to conquer the world. Sudika Mbambi walked through vast, rolling hills. The lush greenery gave way to desert, then stone, then back to greenery once more. Soon, he came upon a desolate road, surrounded by a thick forest. But he strode onward without hesitation. The grass rustled along the side of the road. Hearing it, Sudika Mbambi stopped, his head cocked to one side. Who is there? 
The grass parted and a man stepped out. Though he looked like a man, moved like a man, smiled like a man, there was something about him that felt different. The very air shimmered around him. Sudika Mbambi eyed him cautiously. Who are you? I should ask you the same thing. Do you know what road you walk on? Spirits rule this forest, and you are barely a young man. You have no place here. But Sudika Mbambi was not to be intimidated. He drew his sword, puffed up his chest, and looked the strange man square in the eye. I'm Sudika Mbambi, and I'm going to the land of the demons to punish the Makishi for what they have done to my family. That would be quite a feat for one so young. Not even I would embark on such a journey alone. And I am a Kipalende, a spirit of the forest with powers far beyond those of a mortal human. Oh? What is it that you can do? I erect homes, even if they must be built on rock. Sudika Mbambi considered this. Even he couldn't erect a home on a rock. Surely this must be a powerful entity indeed and he might need shelter on his journey to fight the Makishi. For the first time, Sudika Mbambi considered just how foolish he had been to set off on his own. He needed comrades. Kipalinde, would you... would you come with me on my journey? I stand a greater chance of defeating the Makishi with someone so powerful at my side. You need more than just me to defeat the Makishi, young man. I think you might be right. Do you know others that would join my cause? Perhaps I do. But what would I get in return? Anything you ask. The Kipalende thought about this, but instead of naming his price, he had a better idea. I'll take a debt owed, to be collected at a time of my choosing. It's yours. Sudika Mbambi smiled as the two shook hands, Overjoyed that he now had a companion, eager to continue on his way, he and the Kipalende set out for the land of the demons. As they made their way toward the river, the Kipalende introduced Sudika Mbambi to three of his supernatural brothers. The first, a Kipalende who could carve ten clubs a day. The second, a Kipalende who had gathered leaves in Kalunga, the land of the dead. And the third, a Kipalende who bowed to the Lord of Death himself. The team was complete. And after a few days of walking, they finally arrived at the bridge to the land of the demons. Sudika Mbambi and the Kipalendes stared across the bridge, suddenly wary. On the other side, a vast, rocky desert stretched to the horizon, marred by a dark and turbulent sky. Gathering his courage, Sudika Mbambi turned to his companions. Come, it is time to enter the Land of Demons. Coming up... Sudika Mbambi and his new comrades venture into the land of demons and find a more sinister force than the Makishi awaiting them. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. 
The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now, back to the story. Wonder child Sudika Mbambi left his home to seek revenge against the Makishi, brutal two-faced monsters that had murdered his grandfather and destroyed his parents' village. On this journey, he'd encountered four Kipalende, or spiritual beings, that agreed to help him defeat the Makishi. As the group of five arrived in the land of the demons, Sudika Mbambi was startled to realize that the landscape was almost entirely made up of rock. It would be hard to erect a shelter. Kipalinde, we need a shelter to return to after doing battle with the Makishi. Let us build a home. Oh, uh, yes, of course. I will get started then. The Kipalende tried to balance a pole on the rock, but it fell. He tried again and again, to no avail. Sudika Mbambi stared at him, perplexed. This spirit had claimed he could erect a home on the face of stone, and had clearly lied to him. Having had no experience with lies before, Sudika Mbambi was confused. Was he wrong to trust this being? But before he could question him, the other Kipalendes jumped into action, helping their friend to erect the home. With all of the Kipalende working together, the house was soon finished. Sudika Mbambi relaxed. Perhaps it didn't matter how it was built, just that it was. The next morning, the group prepared to leave to confront the Makishi. Sudika Mbambi was hesitant to leave the camp unwatched while they were gone, but his Kipalende friend volunteered to stay behind. The Kipalende watched as the others set off to battle. Once alone, he looked around the camp, alert and ready to protect it against foul play. But as the day wore on, he grew bored. Soon he sat down on a log and relaxed. Suddenly, a stick cracked nearby. With a start, the Kipalende turned to see an old woman standing behind him. Her skin was rough and her eyes bloodshot. Her teeth were yellowing as she smiled, a devilish smile at Kipalende. But before he could recoil, a beautiful young woman stepped out from behind the old woman. Kipalende's jaw dropped. Hello there. Uh, hello. I see you admiring my granddaughter. Lovely, isn't she? Yes, very. Might you like to marry her? Kipalende looked at the beautiful young woman again. It was hard to ignore how luminous she was. He'd be a fool to say no. Yes, yes I would. The old woman smiled wickedly. <laughs> then you must fight me. If you win, I'll give you my granddaughter. The Kipalende looked confused. Fight? This old woman? I couldn't. 
I'd hurt you. Very well, then. The old woman grabbed her granddaughter's hand and led her away. Wait, I'll do it! <laughs> In a single move so quick that Kipolende had no time to react, the old woman knocked him to the ground. He lay there, dazed. Before he could get up, she moved a large rock atop his chest. He was trapped. Help! Stop! What have you done? <laughs> he watched helplessly as she and her lovely granddaughter disappeared. Meanwhile, Sudika Mbambi and the other Kipolendes had come upon the entrance to a dark cavern in a hill. The distant cackle of hyenas floated from the cavern's entrance. They had reached the home of the Makishi. The companions crouched behind a cluster of rocks, eyeing the entrance. We must be quiet and careful. Kipolende, who gathers leaves in Kalunga, you must be practiced in moving quietly. Can you go see where they are? The Kipolende in question looked nervous, but nodded and walked carefully toward the cave. Sudika Mbambi waited with bated breath as the Kipolende grew closer and closer. But the Kipolende stepped on a stick. The crack echoed through the cavern. Sudika Mbambi stared, incredulous. Had he been lied to again? But he didn't have time to dwell. The laughter had stopped, replaced by an eerie silence. And then something far worse. Sudika Mbambi watched the cave's mouth in horror as the horrible growls grew louder and louder. Suddenly, multitudes of the hyena men, Makishi, burst from the cave and onto the group of Kipolende and Sudika Mbambi. It was a bloody battle. Sudika Mbambi thrashed his sword as hyena-faced men lunged at him. But no matter how many heads he chopped off, more seemed to surge to life in their place. Finally, he realized what was happening. The heads! They keep regrowing! Sudika Mbambi continued to slash and fight, now aiming for the demon's hearts. Suddenly, he slowed, confused. Instead of seeing the battlefield, Sudika Mbambi's sight was overtaken by a vision of the Kipolende, gasping for breath beneath the rock back at camp. Sudika Mbambi shook his head to dispel the image. He called to the other Kipolendes. We must go back! Our friend is in trouble! I've seen it! Without question, the Kipolendes retreated from the battle, zigzagging through the brush. They looked over their shoulders as they ran and were thankful to see that the Makishi had returned to their cavern to lick their wounds. When they finally arrived back at camp, they were spent and weary. They found their friend trapped beneath the rock gasping weak, rasping breaths as its weight slowly crushed his chest. Sudika Mbambi hurried to slide the rock off of him. (gasps) 
Breathless, the Kipolende told them about the old woman and, in particular, about her lovely granddaughter. It was decided the next day that they leave another Kipolende in his place in the hopes that he could defeat the old woman. Sudika Mbambi and the Kipolendes returned to battle, confident that today they wouldn't be distracted by an old witch's tricks. This is for my family! But Sudika Mbambi was stopped once again by yet another vision. We must go back! Your friend is trapped! The group returned to camp to find the Kipolende they left behind had once again been imprisoned under a stone. He told the same story as the first. The next day came, and a third Kipolende was left behind. But he, too, met the same fate. After another day passed and the last Kipolende was found trapped under a stone, Sudika Mbambi had had enough. I want nothing more than to fight on the battlefield to avenge my family, but it seems that I must instead stay behind and attend to this witch. Good luck. She's stronger than she looks. The Kipolendes went off to battle, leaving Sudika Mbambi alone to wait for the old woman. At the sound of a stick cracking behind him, Sudika Mbambi turned to see the old woman leering at him from behind a rock. Hello, Sudika Mbambi. Hello. Sudika Mbambi's words stuck in his throat when her granddaughter appeared. She was truly as lovely as Kipolende had said. You think my granddaughter is beautiful? <laughs> I do. And I will win her as my wife and free her from you. <laughs> the old woman launched herself into the air towards Sudika Mbambi. Ha! But he was too quick for her. He stepped out of the way. His sword cut through the air, but he missed the witch. <laughs> too slow. I don't think so. The old woman looked up in alarm to see the house swaying. Sudika Mbambi had cut the rope that bound the poles together. <coughs> the house collapsed on the old woman, crushing her to death. Sudika Mbambi rushed up to her granddaughter. Are you all right? Here, sit. I'll, I'll get you some water. But he was interrupted as the witch's granddaughter threw herself into his arms. A tear ran down her cheek. She was finally free and would become his wife. He smiled pure joy, beaming from ear to ear. But suddenly, Sudika Mbambi gasped. Another vision overtook him, and he staggered to his knees. He saw the Kipolendes at the cave's mouth, fiercely battling the Makishi. The Kipolendes downed monster after monster. The horde was finally thinning. Sudika Mbambi watched with bated breath as the Kipolendes surrounded the last of the beasts and ran them through with their swords. Bodies of the Makishi lay around the clearing, but the Kipolendes stood triumphantly in the center. 
they raised their swords high. Sudika Mbambi smiled at his new wife. All is well, my love. That evening, the Kipalendes arrived back home after the battle to find Sudika Mbambi and the witch's granddaughter sitting beside a campfire. Sudika Mbambi stood up to greet them. You did it! Thank you, Kipalendes. You killed the beasts, and I, I have freed the witch's granddaughter. We are to be married. All is well. But the Kipalendes did not look pleased. They'd just returned from fighting Sudika Mbambi's battle, and here he was with his arms wrapped around the woman they coveted. Their faces revealed their jealousy. All is well indeed. That night, the four Kipalende met to discuss Sudika Mbambi. He's only been on this earth for a short time. He might look like a young man, but he's just a child. How is it that he bested the old woman when none of us could? We should kill him and decide who among us should marry the beauty. But how? If he killed the witch, he must be powerful. They concocted a plan. They worked until the sun came up, digging a deep, deep hole into the earth. They concealed it with a beautiful mat and then quietly took their seats around it and waited as the sun came up. Soon, they heard Sudika Mbambi waking. <sighs> Sudika Mbambi, come join us on the mat for breakfast. Sudika Mbambi happily strode over to join them. As he reached the mat, Kipalende stopped him. Sudika Mbambi, when I agreed to accompany you on your journey, you agreed to owe me a debt, do you remember? Of course. I'd like to take you up on the debt now. I would like you to give your new wife to me. <laughs> My wife? She's not something to just give away. I love her. I'm sorry, Kipalinde, but you'll have to find something else to ask of me. With a sneer, Kipalinde nodded. Then he gestured to the mat. Very well. Come join us. Sudika Mbambi strode over to the mat and took the only seat that was left. But as soon as he sat down, the mat gave way and he disappeared from sight. Sudika Mbambi fell deep into the earth, hitting the bottom of the hole hard. Before he could react, the Kipalendes covered the top of the hole with a rock, plunging Sudika Mbambi into darkness. He was trapped. Far away, back at his family's home, Kabundungulu, now a young man himself, was hauling some freshly cut poles from the field back up to the house. As he neared the home, he suddenly stopped as panic washed over him. The poles fell from his hands. He was staring at Sudika Mbambi's kilembe that was planted behind their home. His life force plant that once was vibrant and healthy was now withered and gray. Horror washed over Kabundungulu as he realized what it meant. His brother was 
dying. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with part two. For more information on Sudika Mbambi, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Hero with an African Face by Clyde W. Ford, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Mike Capozzi, Susanna Corrington, Joe Hernandez, Harris Markson, and Dan Velasquez. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>